0: That's awesome. Thank you, worship team. Thank you guys for embracing God in worship. And you are welcome that he has not led me to come up here and dance. You're welcome. All right. It's great to be with you, though. And I have to say a few thank yous, and we're going to dismiss our youth for the youth service in just a moment with Pastor Stephen. But I want to say thank you to Pastor Stephen for uh, filling in last week and speaking God's word. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, those of you that are. In uh, 6th grade through 12th grade, uh, you may be dismissed to go downstairs, and you have a service going on. So we uh, we lost our technology here in the middle of last service up there for me, and so you guys just need to pray for me, and you guys are in trouble, because I don't have any notes to guide me, and we might be here today for a little while. (laughs) 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 Don't worry, seriously, we're good. We'll be done early today, I'm sure of it. Um, God is amazing and he's doing miracles every day and I want to say another thank you for all of you that gave um, Your cards your love your gifts to us for my birthday and for pastor appreciation and I was very overwhelmed by y'all and love you. We're honored to be your pastor and serve here I have an amazing wife um, And I just want to be thankful for her and who she is and she is a, an incredible woman and she's done so many great things for me in my life and to be with me. Um, I just want to say I am very grateful and I understand the pastor appreciation thing, but they really don't have a pastor spouse appreciation thing and not that I'm asking for you to do anything. I'm just telling you that they are, uh, they are a special people that God has called and he will bless them and reward them accordingly. My wife is homesick, and she's not uh, able to be here, so I'm just really speaking to you to tell you that I have an amazing wife, and you have an incredible first lady of CFF. Yeah. 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 You do. I am uh, very humbled at her sacrifices and giving. Um, She's a humble heart. So I'm saying all that for a reason. I thank you for everything. The blessing of the bikers, 14, was amazing. You guys did awesome. You always do so incredible, all of you, just to be with people and God's stuff going on, and I'm grateful. I've never missed in the 14 years the Sunday following the blessing. It is intentional that I would not be gone. And so we had a scheduled vacation in November that was moved. The dates I didn't have a choice on. They said we have to move these to this. And so I had a choice whether to go or not. And it was another moment, as I mentioned to you when I went to Scottsdale to preach up there, that God was challenging me to let go. And to surrender and just stop it and just trust him and let him have his way. And so I did. And so the same thing happened last Sunday As I know what God is doing and I trust him and it's his church and you guys are his people. And I know that God is up to something amazing all the time. And it's not contingent upon Dave. It's all contingent upon him. And so one of the things I know God wants all of us to learn is that it is contingent upon him and it has nothing to do with Dave. And so as we look to him and ask him for what he's doing God is speaking into our lives in so many ways And he's transforming us and changing us When I grew up as a kid uh, many, All of you have heard me if you've been around here uh, a while That I, um, I live a transparent life for you Because I have nothing to hide I'm, I was broken and in need of Jesus desperately Today I am just as in need of Jesus as I ever was And he is my all in all and my sufficiency Growing up in, um, in the parsonage, my father was a pastor. That's what they call the home the church owns, in case you don't know that. Um, I was number four of six kids. We grew up in Inkster, Michigan, which is a suburb, um, I mean, um, in the metropolis of, of Detroit in uh, Michigan, and um, predominantly African-American community, and, and it was, uh, it was um, a challenge for me in that uh, life that I chose to live. Um, as invisible, transparent in the midst of chaos, my family being six of us, and uh, it was always chaotic in our home with everything going on. My father, passed through the church, but he worked a secular job as well. That's called being bivocational. That's what it's called in the Christian world. And um, my mom got cancer when I was in sixth grade, and she was sick for a few years. She had two nervous breakdowns when I was real little. Um, I think that was Mark's fault, not mine. I was little, but... (laughs) 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 Uh, but anyway she you know I'm just telling you that there was a lot of stuff happening in our lives and as a result of that I became an introvert it wasn't the way God made me but I developed an introvertedness to escape the life I hated and the life I hated was the life I was living I didn't have a relationship really with my dad uh, or my mom, really, um, and also as kids, were just like, you know, when there's six kids running around, it's not like everybody sits down and says, how are you feeling today? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> just get in there, and wash your hands, and get to the dinner table, you know, and you're uh, good. Anyway, so I chose to disappear, and I disappeared into my mind, and inside of myself, and in that process of disappearing in myself, I, um, I wanted to escape my reality, and so by escaping my reality, it was through my imagination. I have an incredible imagination still today. I love God's Word, and I love to read it. People say they fall asleep reading God's Word. I can't fall asleep reading God's Word because I'm living it. I, I'm very grateful, and I, I don't mean that That's there's something wrong with you if you fall asleep. I'm saying something's wrong with me. I already know, but I like it. All right. <laughs> So I read God's word and I'm in that stuff that's going on and it gets my adrenaline pumping and stuff And so some good things happen in my brokenness that God's using today But in my brokenness as a child I had a a bedroom in the basement of our home and so uh, Those of you from tucson, they actually build Stuff under the house. So (laughs) yeah, anyway, uh, I was down there in the basement and uh I escaped my life through sports, outdoors, through magazines of uh, like outdoor life, and if you know that stuff, Field and Stream, I love the outdoors, and so one of my escapes was to get out there, or to dream that I was out there. So as a kid, I had all these ideas in my mind of going out west, of being in Colorado and Montana, Wyoming, never thought about Arizona. Um... But I I dreamed of it, and I was like, you know, like that was something that was just incredible to me, and I I saw the pictures, and I would be like, man, to to see that would be amazing, because if you know Michigan, it's completely flat, you know. There's ditches, but that's flat. (laughs) Uh, So I want you to know that in the midst of my brokenness as a kid, God was there. God loved me. You saw how messed up I was. You knew that I was blaming him for my brokenness because my father was a pastor, so ultimately it had to be God's fault that my life was like it was because I didn't like my father, therefore I didn't like God because he was working for God and I didn't like him. And so I, even in my rejection of God in my anger towards him and everything, God was there. I was just ignorant of his presence. And this last week was another moment in my life where I was up in the mountains of Colorado where I looked out and those magazines that I saw as a child was right there in front of me in living color. And I looked around and I was like, oh Lord, you're amazing. The fact that you would allow me to be here and see this, to be with you, after all that stuff was my escape because see, even during church time I was up there in the mountains and in my mind I was playing football or baseball fishing, hunting, whatever I was doing I was always somewhere else I didn't want to be where I was because I didn't like me or my life and here I was there alone with God this past week and I cannot tell you how many times I was just absolutely broke down crying just being with him And the fact that he would allow me, me, to be in that place and see that stuff was like overwhelming. It wasn't just the stuff and the seeing, although it was incredibly beautiful. It was the fact that God spoke to me while I was there and saying, you know, I was there when you were in that room. And try and escape. I was present. I knew you. I know you, and I love you. And so, church, the reason I even speak that to you today is I know that there are people in this very room that are broken, that you're alone, that you're trying to escape your reality, that you're trying different things to try and just like survive. I want you to know you're not alone god is present with you his word in psalm 46 1 says god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble when we're in trouble we don't feel like god is present because we go by feelings right and we feel alone we feel broken we feel empty but he's there i want you to know god is there he's very well aware but what we do tend to do at sometimes when we're in that state is we, we push him off because we're angry at him at our brokenness. Would you today embrace his presence and your brokenness? He is so real and he so loves you. It may not make sense in this moment, but he is. He's amazing. I'm humbled. Yeah. Father, I just want to pray right now before we even read the Scripture here for my brothers and sisters in this room, those that are watching online, those that will hear it later in the week. We're hurting. We need you. Let everyone that hears my voice right now understand that you are present, that you love them, that you are healed, here to heal to embrace and to be so god we give ourselves to you in this very moment as we share your word light it up inside of us and challenge us we pray in jesus name amen Amen. thank you church he's amazing he's so amazing i love him and i am more humbled at who he is than ever before Um, so undeserving of that amazing love I told those guys when I got to Colorado this week um, There were some people we met for the first time there And I told them like look I just want you to know up front that more than likely you're going to see me cry this week All right, <laughs> And I said it's okay this I'm very passionate and I'm emotional and I'm driven By everything that God's done in my life and the things that he has for us And so just like leave me alone It's okay (laughs) I'll be fine all right you know Uh, I just want them to know it's the way it is And, and I want you to know that the reason why that is is because of everything I held back in me for years and pushed all that down and and like my introvertedness and my lack of emotion my lack of because none of that was who I really was God made me a passionate emotional guy and man, when I began to fall apart in who I thought I was and be built up by who he made me, it just comes out of me. And so, yeah, don't be uncomfortable, guys. It's okay. I am a man. I'm happy to be a man. And I'm okay with crying. I'm okay with all of it. God's amazing. Yeah. doesn't mean you have to. It doesn't mean you have to cry So to be a man or nothing. i just saying... I'm going to, so I told him, and I, I did it, I, I proved it to him, I, <laughs> thank you man, I appreciate it, I, uh, I was crying my eyes out, like, a few times, just, <laughs> how can you not, when like the creator of the universe says, I love you, it's like, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> so there's these amazing scripture that God has given to us, church. And he has me in uh, a burden that he's laid on my heart for us, for his people that is very strongly upon me. And I share it with you uh, with the joy at the knowledge of your reception of his word. I am a blessed pastor to have a church full of people that are willing to hear God's word and embrace it and not run from it. Amen. And I want you to again today because what I'm going to share with you today may be sounding a little harsh, uh, but it's not because Dave's being harsh. It's because it's God's word. And God's pretty straightforward with us. And he wants us to understand his love for us, but that he is God. And he has something to say. So when we turn to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is speaking, and we see some of these words that Jesus preached on that most important moment, that he was speaking a word to us, we read these scriptures I find these to be some of the more um, nerve-wracking jolting words that you will hear and here are the words of Jesus found in Matthew 7 not everyone who calls out to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven so please hear that church that one statement that he makes not everyone who calls out to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven So there's something important about that because see, when someone is saying Lord, Lord, they are making a declaration that they know who he is. They know he's Jesus. They know he's the Savior. They know who he is. He says, not everyone who knows who I am or will call out to me is going to make it into heaven. All right. so right there when I read those words we all need to be paying attention and we ought to be a little bit Um, conscientious in the moment he's not finished when he says this and this is why it's so important for us to hear exactly what he says not everyone who calls out to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter not just the words it's the do church it's living the life But the Father has called us to live. You can talk about it all you want to, and you may know who Jesus is. That doesn't get you there. Hey, there's people that know who He is, but they're not making it. Jesus is telling us this. It's pretty important to know what we need to know to get in then. Because I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. (laughs) And here's what He's telling us. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord is going to make it. Only if you do the will of the Father. On judgment day, many will say to me. That's pretty crazy when you heard that. On judgment day, many will say to me. Not a few, not some, many. Many. Lord, I don't want to be one of the many. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. So pretty, that's not a rah-rah little section of Scripture where you just all came in and feel therapeutically blessed and you're ready to go home. That's a pretty potent thing that was just said to us. Jesus is telling us, you know, There's a lot of people that think they're going that aren't going to make it. And they think they're going to go because they've done stuff. Are you hearing me, church? They think they're going to go because they know who He is and they've done some spiritual stuff. He said, The only ones going are those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So you could prophesy, you could perform miracles. Cast out demons and not make it to heaven. Because people are going to use that as their reason, their validation, their argument on Judgment Day. I should be going in. Look what I did. Look what I did. You see, church, sometimes we can misinterpret the fact that God is using us for something to make it like I am something. Because God works through you does not mean you're anything. It does not mean you're spiritually right. does not mean you're spiritually powerful. As a matter of fact, you're not. If God is doing something through you that is impacting someone else, it's still God. He's just using you. We need to be usable, but we cannot carry our spirituality or weigh it upon what God is doing through us. Because I'm your pastor or preach God's word doesn't make me spiritual. The only thing that makes me spiritual is being in relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. When we read God's word, He's telling us something. We need to live according to the will of God. And if we don't, we're breaking God's law. It's God's law. See, God has established boundaries for us to live in. It's His word. Therefore, I want you to know, church, that... God's stuff, please hear this correctly. God's stuff can happen through you and you could be a lost sinner because God loves people so much that He wants to reach them. He'll even use you. So do not measure your spirituality about what might be happening around you or even through you. Know your spirituality by your surrender to the will of the Father. That's all that matters. Okay. So we have to continue on and see what God is telling us. See, this God that we serve loves people so much that He will choose to use anything He can to reach them because He loves them and because He's sovereign. And so when God is working, I have experienced this as I've grown up in Jesus. And I'm growing up in Jesus understand that whatever god does has nothing to do with Dave. whether someone gets saved this morning or doesn't get saved has nothing to do with me and if i try and own that i'm jacked up therefore all the results are god's all he's asked me to do is speak his word and let him do something So that's what we're doing we're declaring god's word to you so that god himself can do something in you So as we look at this then, I want you to hear what God's word declares to us as we read the scriptures. 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. So what we can get confused with if we're around the church at all and if we've been around here, I don't think this thing gets taller, but I need it to be taller, but that's okay. We'll just leave it there. That's all right, brother. Don't worry about it. I'll get over it. So when we read this, I want you to hear that what God is speaking of is not the Mosaic Law or the things that are found there in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When you get into Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, we are, we are given a glimpse into the law of God that he spoke to Moses for the Hebrew people that were following him. But when we read this scripture right here, he is not talking about breaking that law He's talking about breaking god's law Okay So he's going to give us a full understanding of that as we continue reading the scriptures But I wanted to clarify so that we don't think of judaism the ten commandments, etc To mess us up We need to understand that we can't break god's law because if you sin you are breaking god's law Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know Him or understand who He is. This is God's word. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. How? By the life you're living, the will of the Father. Not what might be happening through you, but by the life you're living. So now I look at the word and I'm like, oh, Lord, you tell us in your word. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. That's the last statement in that section of verses. Sin has no place in the life of a believer. Sin has no place in the life of a follower of Christ. It doesn't have a place with you. God's word declares that it has no place with you. You do not ignorantly walk into sin. God didn't just like save you and throw you out there and say, hope you make it. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us His Word so that we can know and understand the boundaries of our life to know the will of the Father as the Holy Spirit Himself as we've read multiple times over the several months. John 14, 15, and 16 as Jesus is talking to us about the work of the Holy Spirit that He will convict the world of sin. You know when you're sinning. He will convict the, the righteous of righteousness. How to live that life God's called us to live and that there's coming judgment. So we already know that God has given us this so that we might live the Christian faith to live within the will of the Father. So the Holy Spirit leads, guides, convicts, provides. He makes a way of escape when we are tempted. He helps us live in the center of God's will, doing what God has asked us to do. Church, don't translate your warm feelings on Sunday morning as being okay with God. When we come into church, there's a different presence here. Jesus promised in his word there would be. When we come into the house of God and we're meeting in the name of Jesus, he says, I'm there. So now we already know we have the Holy Spirit in us. If we're believers, if we're Christians, we've been saved. We have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the presence of God is here. But Jesus promised that when we gather together in his name, he's going to be present. There's a special presence of God. Do you know what that feels like in this place? Love so when we walk into a place of love we ought to feel it but that doesn't mean anything for you that doesn't mean you're righteous you're holy you're saved means nothing it means god is present and where god is there is love and you know it when you're in it but sometimes we can translate the way i feel in the moment for who i really am and guess what sinners feel different when they come to church they don't know why maybe they may not understand it and I'm not talking about just coming to church I'm talking about a place where they are gathered in the name of Jesus they know so when you come in church and there is that presence of God don't translate that into thinking that you're righteous the only way that you are righteous is by living the will of the Father in heaven because God uses you at church to play an instrument to sing to serve to to do whatever doesn't mean you're saved church come on the word of god is very clear he says only those who do the will of the father now all those things may be part of god's will for your life and you ought to do them but it sure isn't saving you god's not like hey good job i'm going to give you a gold sticker today because you did something for me and therefore i'm giving you a free pass when you don't do what i ask this week he's not doing that church and somehow in our lives we tend to think that we can kind of get into this merit system with God where if I do enough right things I can screw up and it won't matter Jesus tells us it matters a lot he said you can do a lot of good things it doesn't mean you're going to heaven and as a matter of fact he said many are going to think they're getting there because of what they've done and he says I don't know who you are you know why because there's no relationship there's only stuff. Now that's powerful stuff. Casting out demons, prophesying, miracles, right? I mean, that's powerful stuff, but God's powerful. It's not our power. See, when God's doing it, it's God doing it. And so we can't think that our stuff is going to get us there. Only Jesus will. So send your ticket to hell. Jesus is your ticket to heaven. So, church, do we know who Jesus is? Yeah. You know him? Yeah. Do you know what sin is? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you why you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I do think sometimes in the church we do struggle with what sin is. I do. Um, because I think we don't really want to sin, see sin for what it is. And I, I once again want to turn to God's word, not a theological definition, not this, "Hey, this is Christian, faith, faith, yeah, this is Christian, faith, fellowship, that's who we are." Uh, we, we don't want you to believe what we believe. I don't care about that. I don't want you to know what God says, because this is what matters. And when I turn into God's word, he makes it very simple for us always, because God's not trying to screw us up. God's trying to redeem us. He loves us. And so listen to the statement that the Apostle James makes in the fourth chapter. This is what he says. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Well, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Is that simple or what? Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Oh, Okay. So let me ask you two questions. Are you doing what you know God has asked you to do? All of it? Are you doing everything God has asked you to I'm not trying to tell you the answer is no. I want you to say yes. Are you doing everything God has asked you to do? Here's a second question then. Are you not doing what you know God has asked you not to do? (laughs) Yes. Are you not doing what God has already asked you not to do? See, either way, you're either doing what he says or you're not doing what he told you not to do. See, it's all about obedience. Remember what Jesus said? The only way you're getting there is by the will of the Father and by doing what he says. James says if you don't do what you know what you ought to do, it's sin. Therefore, if you know God's asking you to do something, you're not doing it. You're a sinner. You're not going. That's God's word. That's not Dave judging you. That's God's word. If you know he said don't do that and you're doing it, what are you doing? You're flipping God off. Aren't you? If he says don't do that and you say I'm doing it. If God says, "Do this," and you say, "I'm not," that's sin. That's sin, church. See, it's funny is because, and I understand your reaction when I say, "You know, it's flipping God off," we would like, "We would never do that. Are you kidding? What do you mean? If He says, "Do this and you don't," what are you doing? You're just saying, uh, "No. Uh-uh. I'm God, not you." See, that's sin. Now then, I read this again, I'm thinking, Lord, we're in trouble. No, I mean, seriously, we're in trouble because Jesus said it to us in the Sermon on the Mount. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord. I'll say, i say, I don't know who you are. You're out. So that should be a moment of like somber reflection, asking the Holy Spirit right now within us like, Lord, is it me? What are you basing your faith upon? So I look in the word and I see that God himself has created boundaries for us. Remember he said, you break the law of God, you're sinning. So let's get a picture of the very beginning. Um, Here's God, he creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in this place and he goes, all this is yours. You have dominion over all this. I want you to go out and just like enjoy it, live in it. The fullness, it is yours. I give you authority over it. God did that. He gave us this planet and everything on it. And he said, it's yours. Have at it. But there's this one tree. Don't touch it. All that's yours. Don't touch that. What do Adam and Eve do? Adam and Eve, they go right up to the place where God said no. No. And step in what is that what is that sin it's like stepping in where God says don't and they stepped in and oh my goodness what a step that was so here was God's plan all of this and we said yeah we'll do ourselves. we'll do this and all of humanity was trapped in the know of God you hear that like crazy isn't it all that was yes this place was no and sin entered the world and we were trapped in the no no longer could we experience the yes we lived in the no desiring the yes trying to find that yes experiencing stuff trying things to experience and feel the yes But it's no, because it's brokenness, and it's sin, and it's empty, hollow, and has no place in us. And there we were. And God said, I'll make a way. I'll make a way. I will get you out of that area that you are confined in, and I'm going to bring you back into my yes. Yes. So Jesus came down and lived in the no. He that knew no sin became sin for us, so that we through him may be made righteous. Therefore, yeah, God himself gave us a way out of the no into the yes. And it is only through Jesus Christ we get there. Church, why would we ever choose to live in the no when God has offered his yes Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. So here's Jesus. Come on, let's go. Let's get you out of here. Let's step into the yes of God. Live in this freedom that he has for you. And then there's this one little voice in the tree that's calling. Isn't it crazy that Jesus died on a tree? You think about that sin and how he died for it. And what he's doing, and he's calling us, and he's inviting us into this relationship with him. And then there's this other voice from the tree calling us back into death. Come over here. So we have to live our lives in the boundaries of God, right? There's boundaries everywhere in life. You know that. There's boundaries in a marriage relationship, there's boundaries in a single life, there's boundaries in family structure, there's boundaries in our city as you drove here to church today. There were stop signs, line, lane restrictions, where you're allowed to do certain things and not allowed to do. That's life, man. It's everywhere. And God has established boundaries as well. And God says, you're going to live in my boundaries if you're my people. Okay? So let's, let's think about that for a minute and think about what God's doing. When we look at the Ten Commandments themselves, right? Um, going back into that law of God, let's think about it for just a minute. We have a culture that wants to be positive reinforcement and say a lot of good things to try and encourage you to do the right thing. God already knew we'd do the wrong thing. So he said, don't do the wrong thing. That's how he lined them out. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not create any idols. Graven images, it bowed down before them. Do not, do not, do not don't lie, don't murder, don't covet don't steal, don't commit adultery all of that stuff God says don't, here's my law, don't do it and then God established a building of a religious structure around those commandments and he gave a sacrificial system to his people, the Hebrews, through Moses and he said look if you're going to be my people I'm a holy God, I demand you to be a holy people, that's what God said Old Testament and new by the way and here's what God said Because when you go across the line and you screw up sin, you better bring a sacrifice to me. And God established this incredible sacrificial system. It's that part of the Bible where you start getting lost when you're reading it. Because it's so much. You got to bring this offering for this sin. This offering for this thing. This offering for this thing. And so what was happening was his people were constantly coming to the priests, to the ministers of the of the the temple, with offerings. You know why? Sin owned them. Sin owned them, and so they continuously broke God's law, and they continuously brought sacrifices, trying to get right. And it was a never ending process. So as we read that and we look at the scriptures and see what's going on. The people could not live within the boundaries of God. This is what the word of God declares to us in Romans 5, verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. (laughs) You hear that? That's pretty cool. He's like, hey, God gave us these boundaries just to show us how screwed up we are. Like, live here, and we're like, I can't. I want to, I can't. I'm trying, I can't. God's like, hey, here's the law. You must live here. And we can't do it. We're like constantly bringing sacrifices. Can't make it happen. No matter how hard they tried, they could not live it. And God was saying, look, I have a commandment and a demand. And you got to live my way. Couldn't do it. So let's just think about a football field for just a second. But imagine that that flat surface was turned up like a peak. And we're supposed to play the game on that with the boundaries. And no matter what we do, we're just sliding out of bounds. Sliding out of bounds, trying to climb up, trying to do stuff, can't function, can't do it. That's what he's telling us. The law was telling us, look, this is where you're at. You're trying to live like I said. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you can't play football on a field like this. You can't live life without sin and your brokenness. Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he leveled the field for us. He invited us in the the center of that place and said, here's the boundaries God wants us to live. It's in the will of the Father. And he wants you to live right here with a golden line that is Christ's likeness as we go forward with him. And the only way that it is possible is because Jesus Christ did what we could not do for ourselves, and he became the living sacrifice that ended all sacrificial systems as Jesus Christ the Lamb of God took away the sins of the world that sinless Savior took it all upon himself do you not think that God wants to demand something of us if he did all that for us how in the world do we think we can just play around with this Let's continue reading in Romans 5. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Thank you, Jesus. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus tipped the field in our favor. Church, instead of looking at the field like this, or even like this, we ought to see the field now like this. Right? Like the only way out is to jump out. See, he's made a way for me to stay within the boundaries of God. God's not like leaving us out there like this so we slide off. He's made a way so that I can stay in. The Holy Spirit Himself is pulling us towards Himself. The the sin that is out there is calling to us and trying to get us to climb out. Man, if we would just see it that way and begin to understand this amazing grace that God has for us and the abundance of His mercy that He's called us into this life with Him. We go on into Romans 6, and the Word of God says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. I'm in the middle of the field, and they're calling out, Come here. Come here. Like, why? What can be accomplished to any good over there? This is where it's all at it's a relationship with Him. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. The Christian life is a free life, man. It's all the yes of God. It's the amazing yes of God. Stop looking at it like it's a no. It's a yes. I'm stepping into the fullness of what He has for me. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Exactly what it says. Of course not. You can't just jump in and out anytime you want to. That's what he's been talking about. You can't give in to the sinful desires to jump the ship. You stay where God's called you. You're no longer owned by that life. You're owned by Him. Well then, after it says, Of course not, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can become a slave to sin which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey His teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. You're amazing. Yeah. You know, Jesus... I know you know him. Are you serving him? All of God's will in my life. Lord, that's all I want is your will. Doesn't matter what does or doesn't happen through me. It's you that matters. And so as we go into our action steps, I want you to know today is the day for you to receive forgiveness of your sins and know that you're right with God if you do not know him. Jesus Christ has made a way for you to start to live in the yes. Yes. God is present. He's calling. You need Him. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the answer to your life and He's available to you. If you don't know Him, make today the day you do. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Those of you that do know Him, are you living your life within the boundaries that God has established for you? Two more follow-up questions I asked you before. Are you doing what you know God wants you to do? And are you not doing what you know God wants you not to do? Okay? We're not going to go out of here as sinners. We're going to go out of here as the righteous people of God. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. It's time, church. It's time I'm choking up, so I guess we're done. <coughs> <coughs> if you would stand with me, we're going to respond to what God has to say to us. Would you throw me my water, Mark? Throw me my water bottle there, Please. Thanks. It's too important of a moment. (coughs) Here's the altar. Come (coughs) on. Come on. Going. listening Father we love you we need you desperately Lord we don't want to weigh our righteousness on anything other than you we want you to do great things through us for your glory God we want you to accomplish those things through us for you but God we don't want to weigh our spirituality on that stuff we love you we surrender to you and your will in our life We want to say yes to your yes and no to your no. Will you do that, church? Yes to his yes and no to his no. That's the way we live. And that is the Christian life. And that is your ticket to heaven. Yes to his yes, no to his no. And we live in full obedience to that. So, Lord, we're all here. You know us. We bow before you. We stand before you. We are in your presence and we give ourselves completely to you in this very moment. I thank you for your word. The power of your word is amazing. We are humbled and blessed by who you are, God, and that you would ever care about our life. Thank you for bringing healing and wholeness and hope for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Those of you that are here at the altar, I don't want you to leave until you know you've you got what God has for you to get today. You've given him what he asked you to give to him. So I don't want you to just get up unless you're right and you're ready. But I want you to just know when you get up that everything is good between you and your God. He loves you. And those of you that are standing, God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for being with us as we worship our God. Let's go forth and be his people. Amen.